Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Peaceful Body Podcast. And today I am bringing you an interview. Hello for those of you that have not been here before. My name is Inez Bai. I am the host of this podcast. I'm also a health and a mindset mentor and coach. And like I was saying today, um, I'm bringing on a guest by the name of Danielle Begg. And you know when you meet someone or even like we actually met virtually online and you just feel like they are like someone that you want to find out more about and someone whose energy you want more of in your life. That is absolutely how I feel about Danielle and you will find out why in this podcast episode. Danielle is the founder of the Yoga Impact Charity, which is trauma-informed yoga programs that partners with non-for-profit organizations and also government organizations to give programs to uh, refugees, survivors of domestic violence, families of the Defense Force, people in detention and Indigenous people. So I was really excited to bring Danielle and all of her experience through her own journey and also through running Yoga Impact Charity because I was really wanting to learn about um, the experiences from those who have been through trauma and how we can kind of apply those experiences to our own life and how yoga can be helpful in so many different facets of our life. Like I know for me, and you'll hear me discuss this in the interview, how including yoga has been so therapeutic in many ways, including my mental and physical health, but I absolutely had resistance to it at first. So we really dive into how it can be helpful and how we can kind of integrate it into our own life so that we can also reap the benefits of it too. Enjoy this episode. It would be amazing if you could share this. Me and Danielle would absolutely love to see who is listening to it. So if you could take a screenshot, tag me, Inez Bai, and also Danielle Begg. I will leave her all her contact information in the show notes and put it up on your Instagram stories. That would be so cool to see. And we would absolutely love to share this podcast to as many as people as we possibly can. So enjoy. All right. Welcome. Good morning. Oh, it's actually afternoon, isn't it? I feel like (laughs) the days I'm always like, it's the morning and I look at my clock and it's like 2 PM and I'm like, how did that even happen? But anyway, getting back on track, welcoming you, Danielle, to the um, Peaceful Body podcast. How are you doing this afternoon? Thank you. I'm doing wonderfully and really enjoying the opportunity to talk to you. Oh, the feeling is very mutual. Um, I always start like when I have guests coming on, as you may have heard, I'm on the podcast trying to like remember when we first met and I was thinking about when we first met and I know that you were going to do like a yin session for me um, when I was running a workshop for the Lululemon um, you know I was hosting an event for them for the peaceful body but then we didn't meet because you got sick and you stayed at home did the right thing and then have I only ever met you one other time yeah yeah we met when we were on our way to the the yoga flow in Chatswood Oh, and that was such a nice experience. But when I met you, it it felt like I'd already, I guess, kind of known you because, you know, we've kind of been talking a little bit about hosting the event and like, yeah, you're just such a warm, bubbly person. And I just really enjoy your energy, which is why I was so excited to bring you onto the Peaceful Body today. And I'm also so glad that we got to do that yoga flow session right before everything closed because it was only like two weeks before now, but um, so nice to do that anyway, to be in that group. Hey. I totally agree. And it's nice to reconnect now after yes. a couple of weeks of not, not connecting so much with anyone. Yes, totally. I'm, yeah, I'm really happy to have this platform to like get to know. I'm really excited to get to know all about you, all about um, impact through, oh, sorry, what's it called again? Yoga, the Yoga Impact Charity. Yoga Impact Charity. I was going to say impact through yoga and I was like, that's not right. Yoga Impact Charity. I'm really interested to see, to hear all about your experiences with that. So I guess a really good place to start would be 
your journey into getting interested into yoga and what led you to this, you know, we can talk about the charity, but I guess personally for you, what um, drew you to yoga and how has it impacted your own life? Yeah, I was uh, at the time when I, when I first tried yoga, I actually didn't like it. It was a long yeah. time ago. It didn't <laughs> resonate with me. And uh, it was, it wasn't until I was uh, studying my master's at Oxford in the UK and I was in my head a lot and feeling pretty anxious as well. And really I was seeking uh, something that uh, gave me a bit more of a framework um, for dealing with uh, some of my anxious thoughts and also a way to connect with my body, um, get out of my head a little bit. And I came to meditation first and through meditation discovered yoga and it has profoundly affected me uh, ever since. And initially it provided me with some tools to um, feel more calm in my life and then it led to me making decisions that totally changed my life and I departed from my previous career which was in policy and government and decided that I was really interested actually in integrating my undergrad in psychology um, with, uh, with my social policy background but in a totally different way um, related to yoga and yeah, I've been on an adventure ever since. Yeah, it's so interesting because I was researching all about Yoga Impact Charity because obviously you're um, a Lululemon ambassador. So I've seen your photos up there and I was really interested to see what you were doing because I guess it's not something that is that common, I would expect. Like I haven't seen that kind of like, um, you know, idea before. So do you want to explain to us a little bit of how you've managed to merge these two worlds together and be really like innovative and what's been born out of that? Yeah, it's really interesting because there's so much evidence that's been coming out like the last few years, especially about the impact of yoga um, physiologically as well as psychology, uh, psychologically and why it's important to use it uh, in a healing context, as well as, you know, all of mm. the other reasons that we do utilize it for. Um, so it's really interesting that science is kind of catching up with what yogis have been saying a really long, mm -hmm. long time. Um, so um, the Yoga Impact Charity is about partnering with not-for-profits, government and schools and sharing yoga, uh, but with, with a view to, um, providing it as a therapeutic tool to calming the minds, um, to helping with any psychosomatic pain, um, using it in a healing context. And we work with lots of different communities. Uh, we work with refugee community, um, women who are healing from domestic violence. Um, we work with uh, mental health workers, um, Aboriginal foster carers. Um, so lots of different people in the community that um, possibly wouldn't necessarily be accessing yoga in a studio environment. Mm. Um, and we're offering something um, that we call a trauma-informed approach, which is about recognising that um, when people have experienced trauma, that there's a profound shift physiologically and psychologically. And that um, when we're sharing yoga, that there are certain ways that we can share the practice that will help to hold a safe space and also will help to minimize any re-traumatization and, and make it a really comfortable community for that person to access. 
Mm, so basically you're a saint <laughs> bringing these together i think it's incredible what you do we're a big team of people <laughs> we're a big team yes 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 um for sure i mean you know there's always yeah we always have to thank our support team so what and i want to hear all about like your clients and that kind of thing but i would love to hear like what is it about i guess you have this master you have a master's in psychology or undergrad in psychology undergrad in psych and a, a master's in um, comparative social policy okay so what is it about I guess, yoga that you found in combination with like your degree in psychology, where it's kind of been, it sounds like it's like the missing link in the healing. So what is it specifically about yoga that helps someone that's been through trauma? Yeah. So um, one of the most profound ways is that um, a lot of the evidence coming out explains that there's a profound shift neurobiologically in people who've Mm -hmm. experienced trauma. And it might be like a, a a conscious trauma that um, we're very aware of, you know, something you're fleeing a war zone or something like that. Um, but there's even, um, you know, you might've had a birth trauma or issues in childhood, you know, that you're totally unconscious of. So it doesn't even need to necessarily be something that we're really conscious of. Um, but that shift can result in um, the body being stuck in mm. a fight or flight response. And so it can be very difficult Um, to access the relaxation response, the rest and digest. And what the research is showing is that yoga, um, and and obviously not all yoga, um, but yoga where there's a focus on smooth and even breathing or um, on therapeutic um, healing uh, definitely can help to shift somebody into that um, rest and digest state um, and have some relief from, from this loop of being stuck in a chronically activated state. Um, And of course, when you're in an activated state, that affects all of the decisions that you're making in your life and your interactions with other people. Um, So that for me is uh, one of the most um, powerful ways um, that science is really talking about um, why it's important to be sharing yoga as a tool for, for healing trauma. Mm, Yeah. So it's so good that the research is catching up. And I always find that can be like science is always going to be a couple of years behind as well, but it's amazing to hear that the evidence is like supporting what, what we already know. And this is something I hear from my clients all the time. You know, I, they feel like they can't relax. And when they do relax, they are feeling really guilty or they're, they're just like have this voice in their head. That's constantly going, Oh, you should be doing this or you're not doing enough or you're never going to be successful. So would you say as well that yoga would be a helpful practice to manage those sorts of thoughts? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the whole practice um, being about coming into the present moment and really connecting with the now rather than the inner critic or the anxious future or, or the past. And really it's about connecting with what's happening in the present moment and connecting with yourself in a loving way and in a compassionate way and introducing any kind of additional Um, peaceful tools into your world and that includes your inner dialogue Mm, yeah something within my own like personal experience has been that I come from a background of really over exercising kind of using exercise as a way to determine my self-worth and luckily I've really moved through a lot of that and learned a lot of lessons from that too and because of that I was kind of really off yoga because I was like oh it's just my body weight you know it's not really that beneficial and I really didn't practice it for years and I, I can't even remember what what initiated me to get back into it I think at the time I was 
I'd moved away from like kind of abusing exercise into more of like a performance place. And so I was like, okay, well, what will help me perform better? And I was like, well, should probably stretch because all I'm doing was quite rigorous strength training at the time. So I started doing some more like vinyasa, like flow, higher intensity exercise. And I found that it was like too intense. And by this point, I'd kind of become quite um, aware of my body and the way that I was feeling. So I started doing more of a yin practice. And now it's like all I do. I like live for yin. I just want to relax and like lie down. And it's such a beautiful place for me to be able to like really do nothing. And it's all about relaxation. Like um, the yoga teachers that I have have always said to me, like, you want to do minimal effort and like a three out of 10 stretch, basically. But I know when I first started doing yin and I know had I have tried to do it like maybe five years ago, I would have felt that experience be really jarring. So I guess, do you have, I get, I'm sure you have clients that also feel like sitting and resting is quite like a disorientating or almost like a threatening experience of like, oh, I'm not safe to rest. So what's your um, a guidance around that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's really interesting to hear about your evolution um, and journey. Um, and that mirrors um, so many people that, that we work with as well. Um, one of the things that we try and do when we're working with groups is to match the energy mm. of the group. And so um, if, for instance, we're teaching um, refugee women in their 70s and 80s, um, obviously that's going to have um, and a lot of them will often have um, strong spiritual practices that they're already bringing to the mm. class. And so something more meditative is, is really appropriate there. But if we're working um, with families of the Australian Defence Force or if we're working with kids or if we're working with um, people who uh, are, are connected quite physically to physical practices, um, then we do try and match that exact intensity and energy um, so that the person can feel really safe and connected to their body. And then slowly over time to be introducing um, more space, more stillness, and more of a focus on relaxation um, so that, you know, eventually maybe after some time, a couple of terms together, um, it, it might purely be focused on relaxation because that's then a safe place to, to enter to. But you're exactly right in that, it's not something that happens overnight and it's a real journey in connecting with your body and learning to feel safe in those sensations. Because of course, if you've been cut off from your body for a long time and suddenly you do connect, the reason you've been cut off is because you didn't feel your body was safe. And so suddenly there's all of these really strong sensations and no tools to deal with them. Mm. And so for that transition and journey to be um, a slow one and one that's guided by a lot of choice and agency over the person who is, is engaging in the practice. Um, yeah. It, it eventually leads to more stillness and space and peace. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. And I think that emphasis on like allowing it to be a slow transition because I know like within my own journey, it took me years to kind of like let go of the idea that doing an activity meant that it needed to be, you know, really um, high intensity or like making sure I was burning lots of calories or feeling really tired. And just to kind of like slowly transition into that and knowing that just because you meditate once or just because you do one yoga session doesn't mean that it's going to become easier instantly, but it's exactly that. Like it's a practice, right? So it's really just giving yourself the space to practice. And that's quite like a yogic philosophy of really coming, always coming back to the mat. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, one of the things that, um, that we try and share in, in trauma-informed yoga is that um, 
we're not we're not goal oriented in you know mm. the, the goal isn't necessarily to relax sometimes you'll come to the mat and it doesn't feel comfortable um, and that's okay too and whatever you're feeling is fine and actually the practice is simply showing up and um, to be cultivating um, compassion for yourself no matter what does come up and um, to be uh, keep to, can, to be continuing to come back to it um, and to provide that place for yourself, whatever that looks like. And it changes over time. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you might find relaxation, um, you know, after a few years time, and then, yeah. then maybe it goes back to some more anxiety or, or whatever it is. Um, and that's okay. That's a, a part of the evolution and whatever is showing up um, on the mat um, is okay and is, is welcome. Mm, I love that. I think we can all, especially in this time that we're recording it, be really just giving space for our emotions and allowing ourselves to be like, this is coming up and I'm feeling this way, but I'm still showing up and that's enough. Absolutely. Mm, beautiful. So let's talk about your clients. I know you walk, uh, you work with all different walks of life, you know, from whatever backgrounds that they have so what are some of the biggest lessons that you have gotten from working with clients that have experienced so many different yeah traumas in their life yeah um i feel really lucky to be interacting with people who have so much wisdom from Mm. a lot of their journeys um one of the one of the groups i'm really inspired by is the bhutanese group in sydney um i've been working with them um, for a, a around about five years, um, and they're a group who uh, were uh, experiencing um, threats of persecution uh, from the Bhutanese government, and they were forced to flee their country. And they flee they fled to refugee camps in Nepal nearby, and Nepal wouldn't accept them as citizens either. Mm. Um, And so they were stateless and they were living in refugee camps for some of them up to 17 years. Wow. With no path to live in any country. They weren't allowed back in Bhutan. They weren't allowed to be part of Nepalese society and they couldn't go to a third country either. Um, Many of the the conditions there were really limited food, limited water. Everything was rationed. There was just a certain amount of rice, a certain amount of water. Sometimes it was 40 degree days. People had babies there, uh, health issues. There were no doctors. Um, And uh, eventually um, many of those people were able to come to a third country under humanitarian visas. And so um, some of those Bhutanese people came to Australia, some to the US and some to Canada. And so I got to interact with uh, the Bhutanese community who arrived from those camps um, in when they came to Sydney. And it was really interesting um, watching people who've been through that experience um, come together as a community uh, to learn a new language, to learn new strengths, new skills. Five years down the track now, people have set up businesses, they've become doctors, nurses, um, they're giving back to their community and the wider Australian community in so many inspiring ways. Um, and uh, they have such a strong um, focus on the collective. Many of them uh, live with their grandparents and or nearby. Uh, and there's so many different community activities happening all the time. Um, and... So when I um, draw to mind that community and um, how they are, 
I'm just um, really inspired by the resilience that people show and also the importance of the collective and focusing on the strengths um, and, and also gratitude. Um, because even though they've had these really horrific experiences, um, you would never know it to speak to any of them um, because they're bursting with gratitude and always looking for ways to help other people out and um, provide positivity. And uh, it's really taught me so much. Mm, wow. Yeah. I can imagine like being in the direct like vibe of people who have been through something like that and yet can find so much gratitude and are always seeking for ways to make other people's lives better. It kind of just gives you a really like, perspective on what is important and how there really is so much to be grateful for, even when it doesn't feel like things are working out in the way that you expect, or, you know, something breaks or whatever. And it's just really having that perspective and realizing it from other people's experiences absolutely gives you so much, um, I guess just depth to understand that. And something I've been speaking about, you know, with my own clients, obviously their experiences are very different to that, but this whole idea of being resilient rather than constantly positive all the time, because I think sometimes trying to ask someone to be positive, even in the face of adversity is so dismissive really. So it's really about how can we be, and what I'm hearing from you, being more resilient and knowing like, yes, this situation is tough and validating that, but also knowing that you are more resilient than you ever probably realize. And you by getting to be like in person with these, you know, obviously not now, but experiencing that um, resilience firsthand must be, yeah, a really good sign to you of like, well, this is something that we want to work towards as opposed to always being positive. Absolutely. And um, finding, cultivating that peace, in, mm. even in a sense where external circumstances are horrible and, um, and that might be the environment or it might be um, a particular health challenge or, but whatever it is, um, just this really strong sense of, of peace and um, the discipline of, of practice and coming back to that connection to, um, to peace within yourself. Yeah. Beautiful. That's yeah. And I guess the other thing was like that sense of community was really important and connection. And, you know, I mean, obviously going through something really traumatic is going to create quite a deep bond. So what would your advice be, I suppose, for someone who might be listening to this that really feels like they're craving community? Yeah. Um, I think obviously um, that sense of community in this example is like the really salient thing. And, mm. and we do know that community is so important to all of us. We're hardwired for social interaction. Um, and so just finding as many ways to connect in, um, possibly expanding your circle really mm. widely, like with this group that I'm talking about, um, a lot of them now are working to help support newly arrived refugees and expanding their circles into other cultures. And, I think, um, you know, there's such an opportunity to be expanding your circle to, to lots of different people and connecting with those people too and, and learning and interacting. And we all thrive so much um, when we work as a collective. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And it's just about opening yourself up to new experiences and not thinking, oh, well, you know, people, I think sometimes we get really stuck in like, oh, well, no one's inviting me to something or I don't, I don't want to be the one to make the first call, but it's kind of like, just be open and see what happens because you honestly never know 
who you might meet. Like, you know, even like for me personally, little experiences like going to a Lululemon event and getting to meet you and, you know, putting myself out there and not really being sure how these things were going to work out. And then now I get to have you on the podcast and I get to soak up all of this really cool information. Like you just never know. And I think that fear of the unknown really gets people stuck in this cycle. Do you have any actually like tips around the unknown as well and how to like manage that? Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, I think um, for me, a, I, uh, a way that I deal with that is um, to have trust in myself and, and just to really um, trust that or feel confident that I do have something to offer and um, to really, um, when there's the impulse um, to shrink or contract, um, to recognize that, um, you know, there are things to offer and that that will be valued and appreciated by the other person. Um, and to act on, um, that sense of, of connection and community, recognizing that when it does happen, um, there's always things to learn and positive things that come out of it. Um, and even though it's unknown and that, that can be a little bit scary, um, recognizing and remembering the times where I have done it and it's gone really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, like I just learning that failures are the best way to gain experience and then learn more and then move forwards from it because it's either that or you stay the same, like, and just learning as well. Like the more times that you try something like inevitably it's going to work out eventually. And it's just not like letting it define you and just being like, Oh, that was a mistake. This is what I can learn. And then moving forwards. Yeah. And when, and when it doesn't necessarily, you know, go in a, in a positive way or the way that, that you might've hoped that, that that's okay. And you've got the skills to be able to deal with that too. You've got the resilience. Yeah. All about that resilience. So you kind of touched on it um, before, but this idea of like trauma comes up a lot. You know, I see it on like psychologists, Instagram pages, like childhood trauma and um, that we might be experiencing. And even if we're thinking about this current situation we're in at the moment with Corona, it's like a, I've been seeing a lot that it's like a collective trauma. Can you kind of explain like what trauma actually means and how it might impact like, you know, even the everyday person? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so it, there are obviously lots of different ways that we can think about trauma. There's the very kind of classical ideas of what trauma is. So um, war is a great example. Um, someone might have an operation, a surgical procedure that could be traumatic, especially mm -hmm. if it hasn't gone as planned. Um, they could be in a car accident. Um, so there's lots of kind of different uh, things that come to mind when we think about trauma. Um, but actually it's so much broader than that. Um, and there are lots of um, ways that people experience trauma every day that aren't necessarily recognized. So institutional racism or sexism are, are examples of trauma, um, but, but they're not necessarily seen in that way. And we don't recognize that when we are interacting with people. Um, and I mentioned before, you know, there can be things that have happened in childhood that maybe you don't even have a memory of or not a conscious one anyway. And um, that, is also a way that trauma can have left a legacy um, on, on who you are as a person. Um, and so the definition that we like to work with is um, trauma is anything that overwhelms the nervous system. So anything that overwhelms our ability to cope. Um, so that means lots of different things to lots of different people. And a lot of people at the moment in this environment might be experiencing an overwhelm and an inability to cope. And so that is considered a trauma because we're in a state where 
um, we're experiencing a situation and we have an overwhelm physiologically in our body and we're not sure how to deal with that and what tools we have to manage that. Um, so that's the, the view that we like to take in terms of how we approach trauma rather than it being that someone has a classification for post-traumatic stress disorder or, you know, this very rigid definition of what it looks like. Mm, yeah. And I can just see like how relevant, cause I feel like so many people are like, Oh, well, like, you know, I've, I've not really been through anything or I'm, I'm not traumatized, but yet they still struggle to, you know, feel safe or feel relaxed. And so this is where a practice like yoga can be really helpful and something that I've found really helpful within my own life as well, to give you that space, like we were talking about, to just, yeah, like, like, cause it's something, sometimes you don't even remember it, or it's not something that you are like, con like, it's not like you're consciously like being traumatized right now, but it's like so many things are happening. And what I find is because you're in that fight or flight um, nervous system, you're kind of like, oh, well, I've got to fix it. And I've got to do all these things. But then sometimes that just leaves us spinning our wheels, right? Absolutely. And uh, it's interesting, like when I talk to people about um, what I do or introduce it. Um, often like some people might kind of feel that's not something they're connected with at all, but um, really like suffering uh, is the most human thing. Yeah. We all have experienced that sense of overwhelm. We, we've all experienced suffering. That's part of being on the planet. And it is a really universal thing um, that, that we are all navigating and at different times of our lives, it's more salient than others, but it is something that we all experience. Mm, yeah. And it's, and that's also a good thing to, I guess, recognize to be like, you're not, you, you, you know, we all do suffer and it's, we all have a place for it and it's all allowed. And that's what the practice of yoga is. Hey, absolutely. Mm, beautiful. So the word impact is, is you know, in the, the business name, it's on your website a lot. It's something that I think for you, yeah, appears a lot in, in the, your, I guess, ethos or philosophy. So what how important is having an impact and what sort of mark do you want to leave on the world? Yeah. Um, my, my personal view is that um, we all come to the planet with different abilities and strengths. And when we tap into what those are and what we enjoy doing and kind of follow that path um, that we are able to interact with others doing the same thing and leave the world a better place. Um, and for, for the Yoga Impact Charity, what we're really interested in doing um, is having a really tangible impact. And mm. there are lots of different organisations doing lots of things. And something that's really important to us is that we measure what we're doing and that we're able to quantify um, to say, um, this is how we're having benefit and this is exactly what we're doing. These are the number of classes and the number of people and they're affected in these ways. Um, and we're really interested in being accountable in what we're offering and communicating that with people um, because it's really important for people to understand um, what impact we are actually having and what we're doing. Um, so we try where possible to uh, evaluate what we're doing, to look at its impact on people's mental health, to, to see if there are actual improvements, um, and also to look at um, what amount of people are we affecting every year and um, really to, to communicate that with people and make it really clear. Mm, yeah, I love that, being able to like quantify it. Can you give us some sort of like, 
I guess, facts or figures or something, or I don't know how you measure it to mm. like kind of, I guess, give us like a, an idea of how impactful this work is. I'd love to. <laughs> um, so we, last year we taught uh, 347 yoga programs and we taught them across 18 locations around the world and we impacted um, almost three and a half thousand people. Um, and we also provide videos and things, but that's what we did in person. Um, and one, one element of our work that we feel is really important is um, drawing together Western science and, and Eastern philosophy mm-hmm. and about that. yeah. So we're really interested in kind of merging um, those elements and we, we evaluate our work and a few years ago um, there was an evaluation done of our refugee programs um, and that was done by the New South Wales Service for the Treatment and Rehabilitation of Torture and Trauma Survivors. Bit wow. of a um, <laughs> they, um, they evaluated our work and found that the yoga programs led to a reduction in post-traumatic stress disorder uh, and uh, a reduction in depression symptoms. And um, all of that was within a very short space of time. Um, So uh, what we're really interested in doing is evaluating our programs more in the future. We've got um, a couple of evaluations that we're going to be launching um, in a few weeks time for some of our pilots last year mm. in the space with women surviving domestic violence and um, also with the Aboriginal foster carers and mental health workers um, and also with a group that we shared yoga with at the Villawood Immigration Detention Centre. Um, so we're really interested in doing that because what it does is open the door to other organisations in the mental health space to recognise the importance of yoga mm-hmm. and including that as well as the other things that they're doing. Mm. So would you say it's, it is quite under-recognised in the mental health sector? Yeah, it's, in, it's becoming um, a more, uh, re- more well-recognised way of um, of healing but unfortunately there are still Mm. a number of people that that don't yet recognize the benefits they they might not have tried it themselves or maybe they did and had the same experience we did years ago (laughs) where they're like why is this helpful um and that's that's okay um but really we're interested in providing that education Mm. about why it's important so that there can be some shifts at a bigger level we're really interested in sharing the impact um, with people and sharing the practice, but also really interested in what's happening at a bigger level so that um, different organisations just begin to include this and it's just a normal part of of operating in the mental health space. Mm, Yeah, it's so interesting because, you know, like I've been speaking from my own personal experience, how much of an impact mainly yin yoga has had on me to be able to really like, you know, rest and relax and just calm my nervous system down. Um, but a few years ago, I used to work at the mental health hospital as an exercise physiologist before I moved into um, what I do now. And it, it was really quite difficult because there was no real, I don't know, like there wasn't enough funding for it. We didn't have any equipment. We weren't really able to bring any like others, you know, uh, I guess like teachers to come in and give like specialist um, sessions or anything like that. And it was so hard because we had so much that we wanted to offer, but when you don't have the right funding or I guess the research to back it up and then you can't also like lobby for funding it, the impact that you can have is so limited. So I think that this work is incredibly important. And then also like it, it's really good to hear the facts because I think sometimes from like an everyday, you know, 
person perspective that maybe hasn't been through the trauma that you, um, that your clients might experience, it's like realizing how impactful it can really be on your mental health and how much of like, uh, results, like tangible results it actually has, like what you were saying. So I guess as kind of like to wrap things up from all of this that you have learned, to bring it home for like my clients or even the people that are listening on the other end that have been at war within their own bodies, you know, really have that sense of like inner conflict of constantly feeling like they can't trust themselves. Like it's not safe to rest. Like it's not safe to honor what their body is truly desiring. What would be some ways that we can, um, yeah, help with the use of yoga or just like with, in terms of like tools that you might've learned from your research in trauma and your experience with trauma to help ourselves to find peace within our bodies. Yeah. Um, what, what I would say if, if someone, um, is experiencing that difficulty, um, finding peace, um, and practicing or relaxing, um, or struggling with the inner critic, um, is, Mm. is that that is very common and that that's okay. And that that's a part of the practice. Um, and it doesn't have to be a silent inner critic for the practice to be perfect and, um, that however it's showing up is fine. Um, and, Also to recognise as well the environment that we're in at the moment um, Mm. and that already um, our nervous systems are pretty overwhelmed probably. And um, so just to really be kind um, and also just start with um, really simple things. So um, we just have a couple of really short five-minute breathing techniques that are on our YouTube channel. Mm. Um, And the idea is that um, changing your breath Uh, is the quickest way and most powerful way to change how you feel. Um, And even if you can dedicate, you know, just a couple of minutes um, to focusing on the breath, that in itself can be um, really life-changing. And that's all you need to do maybe a couple of times a day is to breathe and and focus on the breath. Um, So I think um, it's things like that rather than, um, you know, a whole new mental health program or, Mm. um, you know, maybe it's just um, breaking it down and and keeping it really simple um, at this time. Mm, I love that because the breath is connected directly to the nervous system. So if you're never aware of how you're breathing, then you're kind of just, yeah, you're not connecting to your body and you're not giving, becoming aware of where your nervous system is at. And I would assume that most people don't really notice where they're feeling and think that the way they're operating is the only way that they're operating. Right. Absolutely. And yeah, gaining that awareness, um, when you do practice and recognizing that, that you have the power to, to shift as well, which is really Mm. cool. Yeah, definitely. And that's something I say to my clients often as well is that there's always going to be resistance, especially when you're starting something new or you're trying a different, you know, approach to a situation where you have for so long tried, you know, one other approach, there's always going to be resistance there and it's okay. And it's just like noticing that it's there, but deciding and like making the choice. Like you said, there's, you know, you do have the ability to shift, to move forwards with that thing and try it, even though the resistance is there anyway. Absolutely. Mm. So um, was there anything else that you wanted to add in before? I'm going to ask you like some rapid fire questions. I always ask three questions. (laughs) Um, But was there anything that you wanted to add in before we go into those? No, I'm I'm happy to proceed. Oh, okay. Here we go. So the first question is, what is your favorite food? I like spaghetti. (laughs) Vegetarian spaghetti. (laughs) 
Yeah, I love it. So you're a yes. Pasta. So you would always go. I always ask like pizza or pasta, and you're a pasta gal. Totally. I would go both, but yeah, yeah. definitely love them. Half half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if I can, yeah. yeah. That would be the ideal date. Love it. <laughs> um, the next question is, what is something that you are working on within yourself at the moment? Yeah, I'm working on um, being kind to myself and um, not not pushing um, too much and um, just recognizing that it's a challenging time and being kind. Mm, yeah it's such a good reminder Mm. um the last question is what does having a peaceful body mean to you Mm, a peaceful body to me um means showing up um and when i show up on my mat um i i can a lot of the time find peace um and when i can't i know that i keep showing up um but um that's what it's about for me um and um yeah, I, I think um, I think when I show up, um, I open myself to uh, a bigger perspective and uh, a new perspective um, than that is not my inner critic. <laughs> mm, I absolutely love that of showing up regardless of what yeah your inner critic is saying. I, yeah, because that yeah it's exactly what you said. It really opens up your mind of like wow I can actually do things outside of that voice. Mm. Beautiful. Um, would you like to share how we can find out more info about you and Yoga Impact Charity? Yeah. So if you're interested in finding out more about the charity, uh, we've got a website, which is yogaimpactcharity.com. Um, and we've got a YouTube channel and uh, there's lots of ways to get in contact. You can contact us on the website or through Insta or Facebook. Um, and we love to connect with like-minded people. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much. This was such an informative chat and a little bit different as well. So I really appreciate you coming on and being so um, open about all of the different experiences and all of the amazing things that you're doing. So thank you so much, Danielle. Thank you. Mm -hmm.